Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. I'm Jay Dillon and we've got a magical episode today. We've got a magician in the house. Yeah. (laughs) So we've managed to get hold of Luca. Now, Luke is very hard to get hold of because he's traveling around the world doing magic for various <laughs> locations. Not only has he been on Britain's Got Talent, he's also performed for royalty and celebrities and even Britain's Got Talent. So we're really excited to get some uh, feedback from Luca today. Yeah, I realise you knew me, you knew me so well, you didn't and, even bother to say the second name. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luca Galoni. No, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, pleasure to be on the show, Jay, obviously. Um, (laughs) Should be good fun. No, good stuff. So I've worked with Luca for now five years. Has it been five years? It feels so much longer than that, doesn't (laughs) it? It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Luca's been one of my, I won't even say clients, he's a friend now. And been working together for five years on the mentoring program when we first Yeah, he doesn't say client. I've not paid any of the invoices yet. No, That's the problem. <laughs> it's all free. It's all free. But I'm getting it back. I'm getting it back. But no, he's been one of the most, most enjoyable people to work with. And I wanted to get him on this show very early. Uh, you know, started the show only a few episodes ago. But I really wanted to get Luca on and share his story. And it's inspiring. So, Luca, let's go straight into it. Mm-hmm. Just... Tell us a bit about your background, how it all started, and then we're going to how, you know, a hobby turned into a business, and now you're traveling the world. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, obviously, I was always into magic from a kid. I got into it about six years old. You know, I think a lot of people get a passion as a kid, and, and we kind of, you know, I got one of those little magic sets, and, and I really got into it and got hooked on it, and I think... We all get obsessed with certain things in our lives at different stages. You know, some people it might be football, some people it might be, you know, some kind of gaming or something like that. But not many of us managed to turn that into a career. So yeah, sure. I kind of got so hooked on this. And the, the biggest thing was I went to Las Vegas. I was lucky enough to go to Las Vegas when I was a kid, not to gamble, but just <laughs> to see the magic. My parents have been saving up for a long, long time to take us to America. I was about eight. I was obsessed with magic at the time. And yeah, it was the most amazing holiday ever. And that was what really kind of lit up the dream for me to be a magician. Yeah. Because I saw all the top magicians in the world. I saw David Copperfield's show was spectacular. I saw literally every name in magic. I saw their show. I met them. I spoke to them. And yeah, it was incredible. And uh, I met one of the magicians after the show. And just out of chance and... He said to me, I managed to show him a trick. I was trembling with fear. This guy called Rick Thomas, who's a huge megastar in Vegas and magician. And I'd just seen his show, crazy show. And I managed to show him a trick after the show. I had my cards in my pocket, showed him a quick card trick. And he started laughing. He said, you know what, Luca? You could be one of the best magicians in the world one day. Because wow. you're good. And I don't know, that, that just kind of... It was an amazing moment. He gave me a load of free merchandise, signed it all. It was really, really nice to me. And I always remember that moment as the moment when I was like, 
when I'd, I'd met a guy who was an idol to me and they kind of seen me at a very early age and, and it kind of lit up that desire, that ambition to, to go on and do it. That was kind of how it all started, really. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, 15 years on or 16 years on, you're kind of living that that sort of vision that was set up for you back then. So that's a great start. And I think I met you and I heard that story and I thought it was great. And I thought, you know, you were born to be a magician, which is one of the great, you've turned that hobby into a business now, which is fantastic. Can you tell us a bit about when we first met up? Because it was a crazy time when I was just going into mentoring, met the Prince's Trust and we were sort of matched together. Tell us a bit about when we first met. Yeah, so it was funny. I went for the Prince's Trust. I'd heard Dynamo, who's a big magician in the UK, had gone for the Prince's Trust. So I thought, you know what, it's worth giving it a go. And uh, I went on one of the courses, went through that, became kind of a Prince's Trust business. And then you get assigned a mentor totally randomly. And unfortunately for me, it happens for you. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I got assigned Jay. I was really lucky, joking aside, to get Jay because there's a lot of mentors there, but not all of them are sort of entrepreneurs. Not all of them have had their own business. And even if they have had their own business, they may have not been as successful as Jay was in, in his business. So we met up, we arranged a meeting and uh, it was our first meeting and didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who this guy was. Just went in blind. So, so you didn't watch the TV programmes that was on, no? No, no, The Apprentice. <laughs> I didn't watch any of that rubbish. Um, yeah. And and anyway, he, he pulls up. I didn't know it was him, obviously, but he, he pulls up in this... What car was it? It was, a, it was an IQ. It's a bit like a smart Toyota car. Toyota IQ. It's the, it's the most tiny... It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's only slightly bigger than a smart car, but it's a tiny little kind of eco-friendly car. And he pulls up in this, gets out, comes in, and I didn't really know what to expect. I, you know, it was yeah. smaller than my car, and I had a <laughs> really crappy Nissan at the time. It wasn't even my; it was my mum's car actually. So, uh, and then he tells me about all you know his his whole story and you know how he built this business and sold it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. But he said in the back of my mind, I said, why did he come in that car? <laughs> yeah. And then it turned out he actually. Uh, he actually had an Aston Martin at home, um, <laughs> which he didn't bring out. Yeah, I don't know what the problem was there, but he, he some reason bought this. I think he just, I, I don't know, Jamie, maybe you just got a bit of kudos for driving an eco-friendly car. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you do, you do. You, um, get, you get a lot more nice things said about your driving. Yeah. Um, that kind of car. He said to me, like he said, oh, the, the Aston Martin was great. He got a lot of people looking at you with that in, but yeah. actually now I'll come out in the IQ and I, and I still get good... Now, people think I'm just really humble and, yeah. and, and uh, give me even more compliments. So I don't know. But that was funny. And it was a, an amazing first meeting. I knew straight away that, you know, we got, you know, I'd learn a lot from Jay and definitely, definitely he had a massive impact. I'm talking, I'm saying he, Jay. I mean, you, Jay, I mean, had a I mean, massive impact yeah. uh, on kind of helping me build my career from there. And that was about 18 at the time, I think, then. Yeah, 18. And I can remember meeting you and, I've mentioned your kind of story in my first podcast, how when I was talking to you, I could just, it's a bit of a deja vu moment of myself, you know, 10 years earlier, going on the same journey. And uh, if I had the information back then, it would have been a lot helpful enough to spending lots of money on mentoring and getting the wrong mentoring. But uh, it's good to get the right person. So, you know, that was great. And I can remember that meeting 
what we first had and from where you went. So just tell me from where you, you know, what sort of, I know you did the magical side with Vegas, you came back, got introduced to a mentor, just where were you then and, and how did you come across the challenges that young entrepreneurs or even someone starting out in business has the doubts? How did you overcome them? How did the mentoring help you? Well, I think the first thing is, I feel a lot of young people really struggle with uh, the pressure they're under from different sides, from society, from their family, from people at school, from their, their you know the friends that they hang around with. They're almost all expected to live out this this default life, which everyone, which is kind of what, what's expected of people, which is pretty much, to be blunt, go to school, get an education, get a degree, get a job, get a couple of promotions in that job, steady job, uh, retire and die. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, so for most of my yeah. people I know at school, that will probably be their life. They'll probably hate their work for the majority of their life. They'll probably wait for retirement and that'll be the big payoff, you know, when they're 65, 70, maybe older now. I don't even know what it'll be when they get to that age. And that'll be, the payoff's kind of at the end. Yeah. And I feel that because there's a lack of knowledge of how to do these things and there's a lack of good mentors and good guidance, people don't see behind the curtain that actually you can, you don't have to wait to start living the life that you want to live when you've passed it and you're old. You can live it right now and you can reject what society is giving to you, which is actually, in most cases, the wrong advice. Yeah. And I've certainly got my views on university. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go into them now, if you can, if you want to, but yeah. um, I think in a lot of cases, it's it's a bad option for kids and they go in because they feel pressured into it or they don't know what they want to do and it's just buying time to decide and they go into 50, 60, 70 grand of debt and they can't get a job at the end of it, or yeah. they're still no clear on where they want to go. I think a big majority of people want to do something they love. Entrepreneurship's an option, but the lack of education is really letting society down. Going to school, it's still centuries on when we've got so much information, so many tools, but education is the way people want to go, or they're told to go. And the opportunities now, compared to, like I said, 100 years ago, was phenomenal. You could set a business up tomorrow. You could set one up pretty easily with, you know, stuff like ClickFunnels and, you know, Fiverr. You know, it's quite easy to do. Affiliate link in the bio. Affiliate <laughs> link, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Russell Brunson will get that sorted. <laughs> but I, I think that, and I think the, the problem we have is 95% of businesses will fail. Yeah. How big a number is that? And, and I think at least a high percentage is due to lack of knowledge. And I'll be honest, I think the biggest myth is learn by your mistakes. And uh, I've mentored people who have made the wrong mistake, lost a lot of money, and that's it. They don't want to do it again because they, they're kind of tarnished by the failure. And I think about the right knowledge and the right mentorship, whether it's through books or listening to podcasts, and hence the reason why I was asked to do this podcast, I think that can help, you know, help that success rate go up. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. And regards to university, I've been through university. I went through the whole thing. Yeah. And we've had a, many a conversations about that. <laughs> and, um, you know, with yourself being, you know, the age of where most of your friends mm. are probably going to university, 
what are your thoughts on that? You know, let's, let's share it with the audience. My thoughts are, if you want a certain career yeah. that requires a university degree, whether it be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, or whatever it might be, then obviously go to university. But before you make that decision, ask yourself if that's really what you want to start with. Yeah. Because if daddy wants you to be a, a doctor and you decide, well, okay, well, I need a degree to be a doctor, just ask yourself, do I really want to be a doctor or is, am I just following what my parents or somebody else wants? Second of all, what I say is it's really difficult to kind of do things your own way if you realise you want to do something different. Um, yeah. And I, I get that. I get that for young people, you know, that, like I say, there's so much pressure from everywhere. It's like you're being brainwashed to, to go down this path. I was the same. I was at sixth form. I'm fairly academic. I didn't really struggle at school. I mean, I could have got better grades, but I suppose I just had more fun doing magic and getting gigs. But yeah, yeah at the same time, I had a lot of pressure from my dad, particularly, to go to university. He dreamed of me going to university. He thought it was an amazing thing for his sons to go to university and all that stuff. And I didn't go. And it was a really tough decision. It really disappointed him. And he didn't take it well at all. But the bottom line was, and this is for any young person listening to this, yeah, you've got to live your own life. It's your life, not everyone else's life. That's and crazy. one thing that everyone who you hear from who's actually pressuring you to go down a certain route, you've got to realise they've got a conflict of interest there in most cases. Teachers, well, they're just a spokesperson for the framework that they're part of yeah of course parents they've got emotion so they're going to be ruled by emotion rather than the logic of the situation and they just care about you hmm. they, they're not there to like stop you they just care they really just care about well, their, their lack of education in, in the area is, is what's driving them really yeah usually they want better for you than what they yeah. did than yeah. not what they had but they don't necessarily really know what's best for you only you know what's best for you and you have to that's correct in whatever way you can stick to that well i can remember a conversation we had very early on and this is where i think it probably helped whereas we were in a conversation you very early on in you know turning your magical hobby into something which actually makes money because without money as much as we love our hobbies it's difficult to turn it into a business. And I can remember you mentioned to me, your dad said for you to have a part-time job. Mm. And uh, I said to you, look, what you want to do is focus on this for the next six months. If it doesn't work, then do it then. And the reason I could give you that advice, because I had the same situation, but I know there's Nine out of 10 people would, would listen to the advice or probably their parents and get a part-time job. The problem is you can't be successful part-time. You know, you've got to put the effort in, you've got to put the grind in. I know you were doing seven days, traveling around the UK, even abroad, but putting the effort and the work in, which made you successful. Now, you couldn't do that if you said, right, I'm going to work 10 till 4, then I've got a shift at Sainbury's from 4 to 12. Do you know what I mean? It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one bit of advice helped you and I'm yeah. sure you look back and think, well, I don't regret that, you know. Yeah. For the record, I did apply for a couple <laughs> of part-time jobs, Primark 
yeah. and All Saints got rejected by both. So <laughs> I took that as a message from the universe that I was not meant to work for someone. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, if they couldn't, I would have rejected it anyway in yeah. the end. So uh, I think, yeah, that was really important to hear. And I needed that time to focus. Focus yeah. is so important. 100%. So look, roll on to the transition between... Because I know you quite quickly, you, you kind of turned it into more of a profitable side. When I mean profit, I mean you were getting paid a lot more to do your magic rather than the smaller gigs you're doing in your, be- you know, from your bedroom and do small parties kind of thing. How did you transition into that, that mind frame of, you know? When I was in sixth form at school, I knew I wanted to do it. I'd do a few gigs at little parties or the odd wedding, try to get paid, a, you know, 100 quid, 200 quid, you know for the gig and that was great little bit of pocket money for me but I, I got the taste for it I got the taste for for getting paid for doing something I enjoyed and um, I don't know why in, in the back of my mind I knew that if I could just have the because I'd already proven I'd already proven I could get a gig I could make the sale I could yeah. sell what I did you know I got a little website set up got my business cards you know all kitted out and I knew that if I just had like a little bit of time like if I just had a year to just every day I could just focus on doing that. I just, I don't know why I had this belief that I could do it. I kind of almost proved it myself in little bits that I could do it. And for some reason, I just knew that I could do it if I had the time to, to push it. Then obviously, I, you know, I did the Prince's Trust, met you and whatever. And I'd say it was a few things. It was one, and just having the vision that I wanted it. And then two, having the, the work ethic to, to really outwork the people who've already been doing it for ages yeah so i mean i started off i mean in the first few years it was kind of just doing gigs around the circuit on like weddings yeah some corporate events some birthday parties things like that you know the kind of what your average working magician was doing so really there was guys in there who've been doing it for 20 years and they've got a list of clients they've got people booking them Mm -hmm. every year they've got you know they were established you know they they were kind of almost trusted in that in that market well, I can remember you coming in one year. And I yeah. think you, you had a good financial year and you earned more than what most, most accountants earn. <laughs> and I can remember you saying, and we discussed this about upping your rates. And um, you, I think it was 25%, you increased them, or even 30%, or even 40%. I can't remember the exact figure. All I know, you were a lot higher than people have been around the circuit for, for decades. Mm. And you valued it. I think one gig, you just exceeded it. Was it the. Elton John gig. Yeah. And you quite realised that you can earn a lot a lot more than what people put on the market. You know, you, you kind of valued what yeah. you were. And then it's quite, how did that go about, you know, the mindset of, you know, because a lot of people just follow all the, like most businesses will just follow the other business. I'm going to keep at that price. I'm not going to go higher. Yeah. And that's where they kind of eventually just compete on price and go down. Yeah. And, down, yeah. and before you know, they're out the game. What's that mindset like where you just come in, right, I'm, going to, I'm just going to charge this and that's it. I think a lot of people struggle, really struggle with this. I know other peers in the industry have always charged peanuts, to be honest. And I'm not entirely sure why it is, but I think there's a few ways you can go in any business when you're setting prices. One is try and go in the lowest, which is a, it can work, but it's a very dangerous game to play. Yep. Especially if you're charging for your time, that's just pointless. But let's say you've got a product or a service you know, that you can that's scalable. Because there can only be one lowest price person in the market. So it only takes someone who can do it cheaper. You know, we've all seen, you know, 
on Amazon, people from China can come along and, and just price people from the UK out instantly with no problem at all. You can either try and be competitive. So most people say in the magician industry or kind of they'll ring around a few local magicians and pretend to be a client you know, inquiring and they'll ask what their price is and just get yeah. an idea. So you can kind of look at the market rate, which is good to know. But I really, I really think that there's no market rates. I think you set the price. Yeah. You've got to value yourself. You've got to value what you do. And you've got to know that you, you're good enough to, to charge. I think that's but, a mindset as well, where, you know, you believe in what you do and you value what you do. You're right. Yeah, and it's true. And, and, and I think the other thing is, so going in the premium is a good thing, but I think, I think just what it comes down to is, I heard someone say this once. I said, what's... A magician was two magicians were talking. One charged about three hundred pounds, yeah, and the other charged about six hundred pounds for a gig, like a wedding or yeah. a corporate event. And so the, the guy charging less said, "Yeah, okay, so what's the difference between you know what makes the difference between a magician charging you know three hundred and fifty pounds and a magician charging you know six hundred pounds? What what's the difference there?" And the guy just turns around and goes, "Well, first of all, you just got to ask for it." If you don't ask, ask for it, you're never going to get it. Yeah, ask the question. <laughs> and yeah, that's Jay's favourite phrase: ask the question. <laughs> and you're right. You know, you, you sometimes surprise that people accept it. But I think it's important to value what you do, and I think yeah. it's important to to not compete on price. So that guy on three hundred, if maybe you can get two thousand or five thousand a gig, you know, where a lot of the top performers get these days. But his mindset is right: three hundreds. The price, the, the price, the, the going rate. Yeah, it's how you value yourself against other competitors is 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 a mindset. And you ask the question, and you'd be surprised what people will pay. Well, it's it's a mindset thing in the client because they perceive yeah. you as higher value just because you charge more anyway. And it's about sticking to your guns. You know, if someone comes back, if someone came back to me and said, "Well, we found so and so's who's X amount cheaper," yeah, I'm not going to suddenly drop my price to their price. I'm going to basically make it clear that, okay, well, you're paying for a better service, but if you want to go for the cheaper one, that's fine. That's right. I, I don't need the business. So, and they usually end up booking. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Reverse psychology. And if they want the best, people will pay for the best, but you've got to make sure you stand, you are the best in your mindset as well. So going on to look that that's, you've, you, you've done really well. One experience which sticks in my mind, like was the Britain's Got Talent. And you actually headhunted... Most people apply for this, but you were headhunted and uh, due to, to your performance on TV, was it with uh, ITV News or? I did a few a few videos they found and stuff like that. And yeah. they, yeah, I did a, a gig for ITV quite early on, kind of when I started professionally. So tell us that experience and what you learned about show business and how the other side kind of operates. Because a lot of people watch Britain's Got Talent, X Factor, The Voice, see one side now, I know me and you working together because we were there for the whole experience. It's a bit like a different kind of world. Just tell us a bit about that so people who don't know that could maybe get well, understanding. Well, first of all, I think the lessons from Britain's Got Talent have come more into play today. I did Britain's Got Talent in 2015. Yeah. And I understand more right now exactly what it meant and, and why and what I think about it. So it's a good time to ask me. Uh, so... Basically, yeah, for a start, a lot of, a lot of people on these shows are headhunted and they're plucked out, they're sort of scouted, rather than them just turning up on the day as it's kind of portrayed on the yeah. show. 
Then once they turn up, you have to go through other audition processes before. So there's auditions before you even get to the even live show. Look, it was an amazing experience to be picked for it. And this was very early on in my career and to kind of be plunged in that limelight. And and I met all these celebrities through it. I, I performed in front of over 2,000 people at, at the uh, Hippodrome in Birmingham, which was just incredible. I'll always remember that. And um, I, I don't kind of want to dwell too much on, on, on the, the specifics of it because I, yeah. think, I think the bigger picture is that these shows first of all, are a TV show first, talent show second. And no matter how good or talented anyone is, it's a lottery. It's an absolute lottery whether you're going to be successful in the show. You can do things to maximise it. And definitely if I did it again, I'd have a better chance because I know more about it and I know more what would work. But having said that now, I think the way the world's gone especially now uh, it was probably even the same back then but even more so this year and today and you don't need you don't need any of that stuff but you've got four yeses i got four yeah, yeses well. I'll, I'll, I'll i'll give you a bit i, I did well I, I i performed on the it was a really nerve-wracking experience and whatever and 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 obviously you know it was in front of simon cowell and that kind of thing and in front of all those people and it was like i say it's it's an amazing experience. It's a nerve-wracking one. I did well, but I wouldn't do it again. And the reason is because I don't think I need it. And I've got a belief that I will have a more successful career than pretty much most of the people who go through Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. Like, I'm telling that now, knowing that that's going to happen because this is what happens with Britain's Got Talent. The problem is, it's like the lottery, okay? Like the actual lottery that you play. And the reason is it basically reinforces a belief that of the overnight success. Yeah. And we all know that there's no such thing as an overnight success. Even the people who have done really well, the people who have had really done well on the show yeah. are kind of the people who had things going on before. And this was just a bit of a boost at the time. It was something that led up to it. Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, the Raksu, who won the X Factor recently, I, I did a bit of digging on them and, they were a band before. They were putting content out. So they're already established. So they're not just come together kind of thing. And yet they won the X Factor. So yeah, I get that point. That was definitely... Yeah, and that's for most of them on there. Most of the people who actually do well. It takes a lot to, to really perform to a high level on yeah. those. And it's like, if someone wins the lottery, but they weren't good with money before, Yeah. well, it's only a matter of time before they eventually go, keep going down and down and down until they're back to where they were before. Probably even worse. And... It's exactly the same for someone who goes on a talent show like that. They weren't doing the right things before. They weren't doing social media. They weren't doing that kind of thing. And they get a little boost off the show. They get a little bit of publicity. They're in the limelight for a little bit. It's only a matter of time before they go back down to where they started. Well, it's crazy because if you... Look, I watch The X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. I don't watch as much as I used to. But if you actually try and think of the, all the winners, you probably just know one or two. You know the ones mm. who won it in 2000 mm. and... 11, 12, they just disappeared. So you're right, it's, it's a short-term fame, but long-term you, you're saying there's a bit of a sacrifice there because you're kind of always dropping down because you're doing the reverse engineer it's, it. It's, it's not a case of, uh, I think, look, I've seen people, I'll give you one guy, one guy in America, one of the major, major success stories that people won't know about is a guy who did America's Got Talent. It's called Collins Key. He's a magician. Right. 
he's about maybe he's probably a few years younger than me actually at this point or a similar age whatever and he did America's Got Talent he got to the final did quite well he's a smart guy he's an intelligent guy and he's got a good personality and he leveraged that little boost he got from America's Got Talent to really build his brand in social media right and this is I'm I'm going all in on social media I know you're going all in on social media and I think now there's no gatekeeper. You don't need Britain's yeah. Got Talent. You don't need America's Got Talent. You don't need a TV show. You can do it all yourself and get even more success than the people who have gone the traditional route. Well, we know, I think Britain's Got Talent probably gets three or four million views. You know, if you look at the statistics, I know we're going to go into your videos, but your some of your videos are getting at three and a half million views now. And that's your own channel. You dictate the terms. You put up the content. And you control it. Mm. And your fans, I know you're growing very fast on Instagram and on Facebook. So, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. You can dictate the terms, whereas Britain's got talent. It's very different from when a viewer looks at it and you're coming the opposite way. I'll put it this way. If I did Britain's Got Talent now or America's Got Talent now, even if I only got to the first round and got on TV or whatever, it would actually be a big I think I believe I could go on one of those shows and just do an audition and it would have more benefit on my career than it would do on someone who just who actually went to the final yeah but wasn't doing social media yeah I hear a lot of people talking about asking people who are big on social media oh you doing anything to kind of you know get into the mainstream kind of thing you know are you you looking for tv or whatever and it seems to be a thing they're asking people off social media about mainstream and I think it's got to be the other way around I think yeah. you should be asking people off TV what are you doing on social media that's right because if you're not on social media you don't exist Instagram Snapchat Facebook YouTube they're the TV channels well now. you forget in the words what five six billion people and we watch TV and they're getting a million two million views which yeah. is a fraction of the world audience and it's passive it's passive, passive. watches as well that's right there's no um, click rate through. Yeah. yeah. So, look, you've had this great journey. You've had these great experiences. You're, st- you're still very young. But I know you're going a different direction, which most people are with their own brand and building their own audience. What I really liked was, you know, your videos that, that you post quite regularly now and getting got millions of views. Just tell us a bit about how you're doing that, you know, and some, some tips for the audience. Because... You're obviously getting approached by brands now. I want to do brand deals with you. You're traveling around. You've been to Portugal. I think you're going to New York very soon. And this is just based on you building your brand on these platforms. This is not you doing gigs and weddings and stuff. You've you've taken to a different level now where you've got a a massive audience. I think, is it 150,000 of the platforms you've got currently? At least. It'll be about 150 million by the time this podcast goes out. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. That's why I got you on now. You yeah, know, you, you won't yeah. want to know me after that. Yeah. Um, so just how, how have you done that and the benefits and, you know, how can people listing like young entrepreneurs or startup businesses, how they should leverage social media before doing all the stuff like marketing? Because this is a free platform if you get it right. It is, it is. Well, first of all, I'd say you've got to pick whether you want to do a, a personal brand or a business brand. There's advantages to both and maybe disadvantages to both. But 
I'd say there's a big value for everyone now to make some kind of personal brand because you're basically building up equity in yourself. And for me, that's really, really important because I'll give you an example. Let's just take Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, right? You know, he's got a legit company, VaynerMedia and whatever and all these other stuff. But let's say tomorrow he lost everything. VaynerMedia goes bankrupt. He loses all his money. Yeah. I do a magic trick that makes all his money in his bank account disappear. That'd be nice. And, yeah, and and, and uh, I didn't say it was going to go to mine. <laughs> I, what, you having a dig at Gary? What? Um, but anyway, so he yeah. has nothing left. He's on the street. He's broke. Well, Gary V can go out tomorrow if he's struggling and get paid 100 grand to stand on stage for 20 minutes. Minimum, minimum. And, and yeah. talk and just talk about, talk of the, probably just riff off the top of his head. I don't think he really even... I don't know, but he seems very kind of ad hoc with Gary. Yeah. Because he's got that bigger brand within him, you know, within his own name. Yeah. And that is the ultimate thing for me. And he's obviously built his businesses through that. I totally agree with you. And I can remember talking to one of my mentors and uh, they mentioned personal branding. Because like you said, you, an individual, you're unique. You're one in five billion. No one can replicate you. So... I think there's more value. It's harder, and you know, to build your personal brand. But like you said, the, the rewards are there. So how did you start building your personal brand? And, you know, we know where you are now. And what, yeah. kind of, what kind of things are exciting you about this and the opportunities you're getting? And again, you know, maybe four or five tips for, yeah, for yeah. the listeners. Sure, sure. Okay, so I think first off, if you're going to build a personal brand, you need to look at what, your personal brand's going to be about. I see a lot of people, they'll, they'll kind of make a personal brand page, and but it's not really, there's no real theme to it. There's no real story to it. And, you know, for me, it's, it's you might think, oh, well, it's easy for you, Luca. Like, you've got magic. You're just like a magician. Well, it's not really my main story theme. My main story theme revolves around my life, magic, fun, having a good time, pranks. traveling around, pranks, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's just a general entertainment thing yeah. that I've got the uniqueness of, of the magic as well. So what you really need to do is sit down and think, well, kind of what's the business model for this? What, why do we want to build this? For you, Jay, obviously it's about business, mentorship, inspiring yeah. people, entrepreneurship, that kind of thing. Um, for you, it might be, well, I've, I like to play the guitar or I like to sing or I like to, I'm an expert at football or it could be any, literally anything. So you need to have some value that you're going to bring. Yeah. Once you've done that, obviously, first thing, snap up all your domains on, you know, the different platforms, obviously, Instagram, Facebook, Snap, Twitter, Music, whatever, YouTube, yeah. all of them, so many now. So get your handle, get your... Yeah, uh, get, yeah. get your handle under your belt, you know, and then to start building them. If I had to say to someone which one to start building first, I would say Instagram. Well, I think Instagram is the one that's probably growing the best right now you can grow the most easily it's got the best engagement there's a lot of things that instagram's got going for it which i would say is the easiest place to start sure and then you can build them one at a time so let's i tell you what let's talk about instagram uh, as one thing just because i think it's uh, we could spend four hours talking about yeah so, so someone are going to start right now they've got an idea step one get on instagram yep so you got your idea. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so I think one of the biggest skills on Instagram is being able to make your content go viral. Right. So okay. I've done that 
pretty consistently with my content, even when I had a lower audience. Right. So my highest viewed video, which has currently got nearly 3 million views on it, on Insta, I probably got 3 million views when I had, at the time, maybe 40,000 followers, maybe less than 40. It was probably about 38,000 followers I had at the time when I launched so that video. less than half of what you got currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it grew, it, and it grew a lot from that video video as well. Yeah, I'd say basically Instagram comes down to the algorithm, understanding it, studying it, and using it to your advantage. So, pretty much, Instagram values certain things in the algorithm, and this is all, all I did to figure this out and to get all these views was to basically leverage it to my advantage. People complain about it and they'll say, "Oh no, it's not showing my stuff." Well, yeah. If you understand it and you put out good content, it'll work to your advantage because your stuff's going to get shown and lower quality content isn't. So a few little quick tips. You've got your Instagram page. It's looking good. Get some content out there to start with. You don't want a dead page with no content. Get some stuff out there. Get nine posts minimum just to fill up the page. Yeah. Right? Now, if you've got something that you want to send viral, first thing, it's got to be good content, Okay. There's no other way around it. it. You can't send bad content viral. You might trick the algorithm to start with, yeah. But as soon as it's not really getting engagement, yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. Work. And be genuine, right? Good, genuine content. I think there's a lot of gurus who you know, have a lot of stuff on the internet, which they just keep posting, keep posting five, five a day, five a day, five a day. And to me, you know, you're probably better than me. It's probably rubbish. You know, mm. do it, but make sure you put good content out. You know. I think quality, quality over quantity in social media sometimes. You know, you've, if you can do both, that's probably even better. If you can do quality, that's obviously difficult to do, but focus on putting out quality content. So let's say you've got a video. It could be a, a, related to business. Definitely they're harder to send viral, but it still can work. Right. It could be some kind of entertainment video. First off, what you need to do is understand the basics of the algorithm. So pretty much a like is worth the least followed by a comment is worth a bit more a comment that's got a tag yeah. tagging a friend is worth slightly more and probably the best is when they save okay uh, save so that post. square button right is that's it's... like the little bookmark button on the on the right it, side so obviously you're not going to get say saves shows they want to see it again so again if it's not good content they're not going to save it so once you understand that it's pretty easy you need to know that Pretty much the Instagram algorithm will look at that first hour when you post. Okay? So the first hour is crucial. Really important. So first off, you want to post at a good time. Yeah. So you want to check. If you put your account on business, uh, business account, you can check when your followers are most active. Okay. So you want to maybe pick about 15 minutes before that right. post. So as right. your followers are coming online, yes. that they'll see it. So First of all, you've got to design the content to be viral. You want to get their attention in three seconds, keep it fast-paced, keep them engaged. You can put end titles at the end of the video, like tag a friend or you know comment below or whatever it is you want to do. And you can reiterate that kind of stuff in the caption. And you want to get as many com- much comments and as much engagement as possible in that first hour to really send it viral on Instagram. And once it goes viral, it will hit the explore page, which is where you, you know, if you click with the search icon yes you'll see the explore page yeah and it'd be and basically instagram will promote uh, basically promoting your content for free so you can actually click to promote content on instagram and pay for it but if you do this right 
they're going to promote for free. There's some great tips there. And I've done it myself. I've followed Lucas. You know, Lucas inspired me on the social media. I was one that didn't do it. And I think my highest video is 350,000. So it does work, but the content's And that was for a, a video that wasn't really... It wasn't your typical viral video. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't. like a, a prank or a, or a no. skit. It was... What was it? it was kind of self- self-worth. 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 So I actually didn't even create the content, but it was a good video. And why I, do you think, like, just that I'm sure they'll go and look, why do you think that video went, in your opinion? Yeah, I think my audience, currently I'm on 20,000 Instagram followers. They're all business followers. And... Um, I kind of studied what they'd like and self-worth, it, it kind of worked. What I've learned is you've got to target your content around your audience. There's no point in me putting a magic video on my Instagram. Yes, it will do well, but they're looking for inspiration. They're looking for business tips. So I think if you really focus on your audience and what they really want to see, you tend to get more likes, more shares and more saves. So if you summarize this, step one, get your Instagram account around what you want to do and what you're passionate about and something which is going to benefit your followers. Step yeah. two, get some content out. Yeah. So that's nine bits just to fill up the, the, the first page. Step three is then deliver excellent piece of content, which you could then post within the first hour, get that content to as many people as possible. Yeah. And, and the way to do that, by the way, is like I say, you can prompt people to tag a friend. Yep. You can... Always ask them a question in the caption. Really important. Yeah. And, you know, look, I mean, if you want to DM a few of your mates to make sure they comment as well, you can always do that. It's all going to help. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you, you want to do everything you can to make the content shareable and, and something people want. And promote on your stories as well. You know, so your Instagram stories where you also want to push the post out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You want to use every factor you can. You can you could promote it from your Snapchat account, you know. I mean, some people will even say stuff like, you know, comment this for a follow back or something like that. Yeah. And they'll kind of give them an incentive, which is great. Some people say that's spammy, but hey, if your content's good and you know it's good, you've got to do what you need to do to get it out of there. Yeah. And, and the final wrap up on the Instagram, and Luke has given some great tips there, is be consistent, be patient. Your first video might not be viral. You know, it might take 10, 12 videos, but as long as you're putting good content out, your audience will recognize it and uh, reward, the rewards are there. So I know we're short of time. I know you've got to catch this flight to New York and I've grabbed you in between you, you're flying away. Yeah. I just want to wrap this up a little bit on, you know, the podcast which you guys and my other mentorship clients inspired me to do. I just want to ask you, what does a mentor mean to you? What benefits has it brought you? And then also, it's a chance for you to name a few people that have, been, you know, that have inspired you and put on this podcast. I think a mentor to me is someone who's done something, achieved something that, not necessarily that I'd want to achieve, because, but has achieved success in a certain area of life, who has learned the lessons from that set, they, the success. They've been there and done it. And what they can do is they can offer you the guidance. They can offer you a different perspective from where you're looking. They can offer you new ideas and they can offer you even little tactics and tricks. But overall, it's it's more the bigger picture stuff, the little things that they'll say. And also, 
I'd mention is that it doesn't always have to be someone you meet in person. Like I had Jay, but I also had about 20 other mentors as well. You know, I, I had people who I was reading their books. I was so in self-development, audio books, physical books, YouTube videos, and all that kind of stuff. And it was like they were there, they were there with me in a way. You know, I'd read yeah. a Grant Cardone book and he'd say something in the book where that just made me think differently or act differently. And all these influences, pick the right people and take the bits that you like and, and, and you think will benefit you, then that adds up to amazing success. Great stuff. And if you want to shout out any mentors that you know, thank them. This podcast is, is there for to, to shout outs as well. Okay, so he's paying me to say this, but Jay Dillon is number one uh, out of all of them. <laughs> I've been pushing for that all the, through the podcast. <laughs> he's been waiting for this moment. Now. Jay's <laughs> no. been an incredible mentor to me. He's definitely been a huge, huge help in in allowing me to do what i've done and live live my dreams and all that kind of stuff and he's always there you know he's he's a very generous person in the way he gives up his time and gives back you know and that's why he started doing the prince's trust he just wanted to give back and i think he's done the same thing with the podcast which is amazing and listen to what he says because he knows how to talk a lot but he drops some golden nuggets in there so this is why a podcast is the perfect platform, I think, for Jay. And um, I'm glad he's finally come out and, do, and done one. Um, it's, you're going to learn so much just by listening to him and seeing his perspective, for sure. Right, the, the brown paper bag is just outside. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great thing. Is there anyone else you want to yeah. shout out to? So number two behind Jay is Grant Cardone, as I mentioned a second ago. He wrote a book called The 10X Rule, which has changed my life more than literally any other book that I've ever read amazing great book. um got uh recommended jay i can see it on the bookshelf behind him over there yeah grant is just he's one of those characters where i can't explain it he changed my mindset to such a degree in terms of work ethic in terms of the mindset just thinking bigger and honestly get the 10x rule do yourself a massive favor I'd recommend getting the audio version because having Grant, it's like having Grant as a coach. He's there in your ear, just, he's just motivating just to listen to. And the last person I'd say is a guy, you can find him on YouTube called Oris D. Tyler. And he will, I mean, watch his videos, like his perspectives on life and stuff like that will really, really open your mind. They're so deep what he goes into and stuff like that. And I was watching one just today and I just felt like almost like a, I felt so present there with him. Like it felt like he was there in the room with me. He's got this yeah. energy about him and some of his stuff, he just literally will change your life. And uh, so that's three people, uh, Jay Dillon, Grant Cardone, Oris D. Tyler, and hopefully one day someone's going to name me in that list as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, fantastic. Luke, when you get Alan Sugar on, he'll probably say that. Yeah, so. he probably would. So there's been a lot of good tips on here. So yeah. what, what we have done is we'll transcribe this and we're going to put it onto our blog. So look out on the Business Mentor Podcast website, interview with Luca, and you can, you know, it's all written for you guys. You can take the tips from there. And uh, yeah, so I would like to thank you, Luca. Unless you got anything else to add or? Yeah. Um, I can see you trying you, to get on the mic there. No, no, no. I was waiting for you to ask it. I knew you were about to ask. Obviously, where can you follow me on social media? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can follow me at Luca G Galone. I'm going to say Galone, not Galone, yeah. which is the actual pronunciation because that would confuse people. Mm -hmm. So just Luke Galone on Facebook, Instagram, just search the name. I'll pop up. There's only one me. Again, we're going to have that on the, the transcribe. Show notes. So show notes so you can get. 
So look, thank you for listening. I hope this has brought you great value. If you've got any questions, please reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to help out. Thank you and I'll see you on the next episode.